Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sharon McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenth of the Sunday as a special day to set aside some time for a higher power and for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but you may use any Bible you wish. 
I have had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude with ongoing Bible readings and also read from selected materials. I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me, and that's it. Um, for Let's just open our, our, with our traditional prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And we pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy. And then we pray for all those who are suffering from violence here and abroad. And we pray for all those who are sick in mind and body. We also pray for the lonely and the uncomforted. And we ask God to please forgive us for our sins. We pray for the suffering from domestic violence here in their own homes and freedom from addiction of all kinds. Please, God, help us. We're losing many to addiction. Then please, God, send your Archangel Michael to watch over Texas. And also to watch over the the world, God, there's so much evil going on. And we know that there's the greater good and there's good, more good that way the bad. And we just ask you, ask in Jesus' name, for the angels to watch out over everybody. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals who can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and are praying, we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering for all over the world. We want to thank you, God, for everything that you've given us. And we ask you to bless us in Jesus' name and help us all go under his care. And everyone and their families are in our prayers. And we do ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, if you don't have a Bible there at home, there's also an on-site uh, www.biblia.com, and it's a great place. And the opening music was by Salve Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels, the Salve. And you can order your copy uh, to contact would be Salve.org or just go to um, YouTube. You can listen to it for free or, or buy your copy on Amazon. That's what I did. So uh, anyway, so you can enjoy their music. Um, I wish to uh, everybody a very happy birthday, having birthdays today, and a very blessed birthday. And uh, I wish you a very prosperous year ahead. And God bless you, all the birthday people. We're starting with Karen Angelini. We can hold her in our hearts and prayers. Fred Hansen, Dana Harper, Christina Knowles, and Amro Malner. And uh, we wish them all very happy birthday today. I know they're excited about today. So uh, as we did, we were reading last week uh, Titus and um, chapter one, and now we're on chapter two. And it has been a pleasure going through and reading the Bible. And I never thought we'd get through it, but we're already up to Titus and a few chapters. And then I saw the Hebrews coming up soon, and I'm really looking forward to that. And it's been very exciting. Uh, getting through the Bible and, and reading all this and learning more and the format that we're doing in where we read the summary and then the, read the Bible back and stuff and then read the notes has really helped to get it in my head anyway. So uh, anyway, so Jimmy, let's get out your Bible and um, right now I'm going to read the summary and it says, uh, 
traditional gender roles one on one. Paul lays out some more advice that Titus should start handing out there in Crete. Every man should be on his best behavior, doing things in moderation, acting serious, basically just being a rock for the community. And uh, women also need to keep things up when they open up. They should stay away from spreading gossip and lies and drinking too much. And yeah, sex in the city ladies are in trouble. So anyway, the older ladies need to set an example for the younger encouraging the, these girls to love their husbands and kids, control their crazy female emotions, I don't know, take care of the house, and, of course, submit to their husband. Women don't do all this. Non-Christians are really going to turn a stink eye towards believers. So keep it on the up and up, ladies. Young men shouldn't run around acting all crazy either. These guys might be better off not venturing outside the house. <laughs> Okay, this is uh, the schmoop guys doing this. Anyway, uh, slaves also obey your masters. Don't talk back. Don't steal. And just be the super faithful to the person who owns you. It's just what God wants, Paul says. Of course, we don't believe in slavery now, even though it's still going on, which is crazy. But anyway, this is why God sent Jesus. Paul continues. One day, Jesus will come back and see how awesome the Christians have been doing and reward them. Until then, people just have to keep their lives. These guards are Harvard professionals, and they go went through all this and give me a summary. So I appreciate that very much. So now what we're going to do is read Titus, Chapter 2. Okay, it says, Operation of the Church, the Duties of the Minister. But as for you, speak the things of which are fitting for a sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, simple, sensible, sound in faith and love and in perseverance. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine. Teaching what is good. They may encourage the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. It says to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, and it's so that the sacred word of God will not be dishonored. Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine and dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, and that the opponent will be put to shame having nothing bad to say about us. Anyway, urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters and everything and to will be well-pleasing and not argumentative. And ten, the last uh, little thing here would be uh, not into not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God out of the Savior in respect. And then we come to the second part of this is living in the response to God's grace is for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus we gave who gave himself for for uh, excuse me I can't see this okay who gave for himself 
for uh, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own uh, possession, zealous for good deeds. And these things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority that no one disregards you. And then that, that ends that with, uh, we go on to chapter 3 next week. And then uh, let me read the notes. Okay, Jewish myths, speculations of a Gnostic sort, supposedly were based on Old Testament scripture. And uh, Titus goes to close to 40, but still considered a young man himself, was to be an example to others, young men in his life and teaching. So uh, let's see. The tense of the verb indicates a reference to the incarnation, so it's called appeared. Christ for the first uh, appearing. And then ungodliness, irreverence, worldly desires, passions, overpowering attractions for the secular world. And then uh, Christ is the second coming is what they're referring to in verse 213. And then 214, uh, redeem us from every lawless deed and to release us from the bondage of, of the sin. And that's why Jesus came to relieve us from the bondage of sin. And thank God for that. Because if uh, we didn't get that kind of help, we'd certainly be worse trouble than we are today. So I'm going to pick the story out, and then we're going to read that. And I hope uh, everybody finds you well and happy today. And if you're not feeling well and you're feeling depressed about the world's uh, uh, situation right now, there's so much violence everywhere in the whole world and, and very uh, horrible things. I want to say that um, my prayers are with everybody, especially the, the policemen that lost their lives in that horrible incident. And we pray for Texas and we pray for Florida. We pray for all of us and all the craziness that's going on all over the world that we would get the help that we need and um, our Heavenly Father loves us. He never lets us down. But we also have people commit sins. And we just have to be strong inside. And for a minute there, I was like, oh, God, I want to escape this place. And uh, I was really scared. Uh, I had a lot of fear in me from what happened in Texas. And it is indeed a horrible thing on um, all sides. It's just, a, it's just terrible. So um, I just remembered that in a dream I had one time, the message was there's more good than bad in the world. And that's what I'm going to focus on, the good in the world, how this will bring the best out in us and how we'll pull together and as we always have. And uh, we ask Jesus just to bless us and watch over everybody and uh, people that lost family members. We have their please condolences and um Sorry about all this. It's just a, it's a mess, mess right now. Okay. Um, this is uh, the our good and faithful guidepost. So here's the story. It's called Someone Hates Us by Julie Michael Weiser, and she's from Lincoln, Nebraska. We received the first call right after we moved into our new home. It was a Sunday morning in June 1991. We were shipping uh, – we were shipping <laughs> – Hot coffee, sorry, in our eating kitchen, self-created boxes littering. Phone rang and my husband Michael picked it up. I felt something was Michael slammed down the receiver. Angus squeezed his voice. That guy just said, "You will be sorry you ever moved into five eight one 
oh, Randolph Street, Jew boy. Just as, just then, our 16-year-old David walked into the kitchen. Well, would they do something like that? He asked, his face paling. He had picked up a bedroom downstairs and had heard men's words too. Someone, this I thought, we had come to Lincoln two and a half years ago earlier. So that, excuse me. <coughs> I'm sorry about that. We had. Oh boy, I'm having a little trouble this morning. Anyway, someone hates us, he said. We had to come to Lincoln two and a half years ago earlier so Michael could become a cantor in the benign Jehoram, one of the two synagogues in town. Most of the people we met had been warm and welcoming. It must be some crackpot, I told myself, and I tried to put the incident out of my mind. But two days later, coming home from my job at the doctor's office, I reprieved our mail and found... A thick brown vanilla envelope addressed in block letters to Rabbi Michael Webb's listener. Calling Michael. On top of the card that read KKK. Denied the Holocaust. Another called Jesus the Great. There were characters of Jews with huge hook noses, black. People with gorilla heads. Your time is up. Threatening, committing, intimidating as responsible for the suffering of white race. So, and they did. Came to investigate, and one officer explained, "We suspect that the person who sent this package is the local head of the KKK." Now I was frightened. There was a real person behind the ugliness. His name was Larry Trapp a grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. He was severely diabetic, legless, and going blind. He was also considered extremely dangerous. Called up in a dingy apartment, he kept an arsenal of loaded guns and Nazi paraphernalia. Both the FBI and the Lincoln Police Department had that among their surveillance. Among those who had already, he had already harassed, I learned, was his next-door neighbor, a 35-year-old journalist, William Rush. Unable to walk or talk because of cerebral palsy, Rush depended on his computerized voice synthesizer. When Trapp heard Rush was playing a tape of Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech through the thin apartment wall, he went into a rage. Using his CB radio, he broadcast scurrious comments that were picked up by Rush's voice synthesizer. Well, and he continued the verbal assault day and night. Trapp had made a name for himself in the community by sponsoring a white supremacist video series, Race and Reason, on the local public access station. Publicly, he claimed he wasn't a racist against blacks or Jews. He just wanted to preserve the white race. But privately, he had mailed hate-filled messages to a prominent black woman in town. Recently, Vietnamese immigrants had moved to Lincoln. He launched another world campaign against them. We did not discover all this right away, but it was clear that we were being threatened. Following the policeman's advice, we installed deadbolts on our doors and began to lock our car. I carefully checked the millions, excuse me, the mailbox before reaching them. We started being extra cautious with our children, making sure they were aware that they're their every moment movement. Now you can steal yourself against such hatred. 
What makes him do this? Why is he so bitter and angry? Michael has seen Chap once at a meeting in a town group called the Coalition, Coalition Against Racism and Prejudice. Wearing a baseball cap with the KKK logo, he spoke out against the, the coalition. Trap was so intense, so powerful, so focused that Michael said, at first I didn't even notice that he was in a wheelchair. What's wrong with it, this man, I thought. He had once been a patient of, my, of, of the doctors I worked for, so I knew that where he lived. One day on my way home, I found myself making a detour to drive by his apartment at 817 C Street. Gazing at the plain brown one-story building, I wondered how he had become so evil. At home, I I turned to Proverbs, my favorite book in the Bible, and came across a passage. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity would come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. Wow. And I saw Larry Trapp's apartment in my mind's eye, and I asked myself, when will he be broken? Yeah. Second, please. Hold on one second. Okay, listen. Okay, I just want to be sure. I'm on the right track here. Okay, thank you, everybody. Um, okay, I coming this. Not one to sit, sit on his anger. He told me he was going to call Trap. After dialing Trap's number, Michael listened to an 11-minute message, Vigilante Voices in Nebraska, a recorded tirade of hate. Wow. Michael called again and again to keep the recording playing so no one else would hear it. He kept it up for a week until a friend told us that tying up someone's telephone line is illegal. The next time Michael called Trap, he left his own message. You better think about all this hatred you're spreading because one day you're going to have to answer to God. After that, whenever he thought about it, Michael called Larry and left a message. One said, why do you hate me? You don't even know me, so how can you hate me? Another time, after seeing Larry interviewed in the television, standing in front of the Nazi flag, Michael said, Larry, with your disabilities, the Nazis would have made you the first to go. Michael continued his call for months. One night in the early I had an inspiration. Store, having an effect. We're having an effect on us. We started out contracting him with. The plan or weight movement, he was quoted as saying, I think we should work for equal rights for all. Wow. He's waffling. That's around like a TV report. Going after the woods. Give me two days, you know, He left furious. 
But that night, when Michael and called again, he was apologetic. Do you still want to rethink things, Michael asked? But I'm going to do it myself. That evening at synagogue, after naming several ill members and friends, Michael suddenly turned to the congregation. Pray tonight for someone who is sick from the illness of bigotry and hatred. Please pray that he can be healed. Please pray for Larry. Three kids, the three kids went out. Michael and I were trying to decide on a movie to see when the phone rang and a man asked for the rabbi, and it was Larry Trapp. When I could hear of the conversation, I was me stunned. It was a greater change I would have, couldn't have prayed for. He would allow us that Michael said. We got into our station and drove downtown. I knew the block of the apartment. It was only two He knocked on his door and it opened slowly. There was Larry sitting in his wheelchair. A huge Nazi flag hung behind him. His piercing blue eyes looking up at us. Hi there, we said awkwardly. Then Michael extended it. At the touch of Michael's hand, Larry burst into tears. We knelt down. Hanging. All three of us were crying. Larry repeated over again. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for things I've done. He had us take away KKK and Nazi prophet paraphernalia. Next month, he apologized for his words in our Luther King Day. He even joined us at synagogue for racial service. Larry became part of our family. With, with Michael's help and instruction, he studied Judaism. As his health deteriorated, he moved in with us, and we were, and we could help care for him. Doctors didn't have many months to live, so I took time off my job to be with him. I came to know the horrors of his childhood and forgave him. More importantly, forgave himself. One day when he was still mobile, he disappeared to a mysterious mission and returned with a bouquet of a dozen yellow roses and a note that said, to the most beautiful woman who helped me in my transformation from a dragon to a butterfly. The morning he died, Michael sat at his bedside holding his hand. I miss him, for that lesson of his life remains. God-inspired love will always defeat fear and hatred, always. This is so touching that I would randomly pick this story because this is actually what's going on. We have to remember for all of our differences, we have to remember to love each other, never let each other go, and respect each other. And even if we have different beliefs, we just have to remember God is with us. God loves everybody. And please move away from your hatred. And I guess at this point, we have to pray for those people that are so sick and have hatred in their minds and their prejudices or whatever whatever's on their mind and what they're doing. We add them and their families in our prayers, too, as hard as it is to do. So in closing, let's, let's uh, pray the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And I want to thank you for joining Sacred Sunday. Please come back next week and bring your friends. And we appreciate all you people listening, archives, uh, your support is greatly appreciated. And let's do this together and let's pray for each other. 
in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever's ahead. You are never alone. I love you. I know God loves you through and through. May your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. God bless you. Amen. Oh, my God.